Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer and His Word. But spring is an interesting time. It's interesting because it's primarily marked by two major events. The first one being spring cleaning. As we all know, the clearing out of stuff inside our house, which, as you heard, we're still doing at the assembly, uh, sorting out the attics and the closets, 30-plus years' worth of stuff that we've stashed in boxes and hidden in dark corners and just kind of let collect dust, right? Um, now, don't worry. That's not a recruitment pitch. We're not trying to, to you know, acquire some, some help. Or it's all but done, all right? We're, we're well on our way. It's never a fun time, never a fun thing to go through all that stuff. So, I mean, I understand. We get it. But it is necessary. And the second major factor of spring is how new life begins to bloom. And it blossoms if the conditions are right. So this morning, I'm being led to discuss spring cleaning with everyone. But not in the context of your literal house. Well, I mean, I hope those are, are clean, and I'm sure they are. It is the con- in the context of you. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. The house, which is also the temple of God. Now, we're di- as we're discussing cleaning, how many of us are aware that when this happens, when we start sorting out the stuff that we've placed everywhere, you'd be amazed about what you discover. Some of those items, they, they become almost like you're discovering treasure. The reminders of places where we've been and situations and events in our lives that we've gotten through. Some of those are really good. Some of them are worthwhile. But other items, there's no rhyme or reason. We can't figure it out ourselves why we still have this, why we're holding on to it. Why? I mean, where did it come from? <laughs> we were puzzled as to you know, why we purchased it. I mean, the questions go on and on. But it still remains. The item or items are there, as they have been forever, just taking up space. But I want to remind us, we are the house. We are the temple of God. He lives and dwells in us. So the question I want to ask you this morning, and it's also the title of the message, what's in your house? What things have we thrown in the proverbial box and buried deep down somewhere in our life and avoided dealing with? And if we're truly honest, we all have things in our lives that we need to deal with. We have to actually deal with them things that we need to clean up and remove from our lives. 
because reality is they're holding us back. So if you could, please turn with me to Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. It begins, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman, whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and to Miriam, You three, you three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the doorway of the tent. And he called Aaron and Miriam when they had both come forward. He said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in dark sayings. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, against Moses? So the anger of the Lord burned against them, and he departed. But when the cloud had withdrawn from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. And Aaron turned towards Miriam. Behold, she was leprous, and then said to Moses, O my Lord, I beg you, do not account this sin to us, in which we have acted foolishly, foolishly, excuse me, and in which we have sinned. O do not let her be like the one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes from his mother's womb. Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, O God, heal her, I pray. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not bear her shame for seven days? Let her be shut up for seven days outside the camp, and afterward she may be received again. So Miriam was shut up outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until Miriam was received again. And afterward, however, the people moved out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. So if we reflect on this on the beginning passage of this scripture, we come across Mary, who in her life, she had been abundantly blessed. She had been provided for by the Lord in every aspect of her life. If we trace it back throughout the Bible, even when she was a slave in Egypt, she worked in Pharaoh's daughter's house. She had been used to find Moses and then to care for him. And then last but not least, she was delivered. They were released from being slaves in Egypt. And then beyond that, now that the people of the Lord were out out of Egypt, being freed, (coughs) excuse me, she also had a place of prominence amongst the people. 
However, we find that she was displeased. She wasn't content with what the Lord had done for her in her life. So she began to plant seeds of discord with Aaron, saying, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And if we reflect on that, we would discover that these ideas were not ones that suddenly sprang up, but they were thoughts and meditations of the heart. It is likely, more likely, that she allowed seeds of greed, of envy, jealousy, deceit to grow within her. Because for out of the abundance of the heart, a person's mouth speaks. That's exactly what we find in Luke 6.45. It says, The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. So we go back, there were treasures in her heart that hadn't been cleaned up, that hadn't been sorted through. She hadn't sorted through the stuff she collected on the journey of life. They weren't good treasures. These ones ones that came out in that moment were evil in the sight of the Lord. Strife, bitterness, envy, jealousy, selfish ambitions. There's a more comprehensive list in Romans 1, 9 through, oh, sorry, excuse me, 29 through 31. This is being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, trustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. But this is reflecting on this not to cast judgment on Miriam. This isn't about passing judgment. But the very next verse of Romans 2.1 tells us that we should know better. It says, Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For those who judge practice the same things. So again, it's not about judgment in the form of judging someone else. We need to take a, a hard look at ourselves, judge ourselves, and see if we harbor and store these things in our lives, that we have them in our house, which poses the question again, what's in your house? But if we return back to Numbers, We'll look for a moment at what God said about Moses. And it begins at verse 3. It says, The man Moses was very humble, more than any who was on the face of the earth. So as we reflect on that, we should ask ourselves, is humility a natural trait? I mean, if we're examining the behavior differences between Moses and, and Miriam, 
The quest was for power and position at the heart of it. It is not a natural trait to be humble at that level, to be overseer of ultimately the nation of Israel. So if we can come to the same conclusion that humility is not a natural trait, and especially not at that level, how much more difficult is it, do you think, for an individual to be humble who grew up in a privileged life? Is that not exactly how Moses grew up? Yes, he was a Hebrew, but as we already discussed, found in the bushes. He was taken into Pharaoh's Pharaoh's house, raised by his daughter. The Pharaohs were people that... uh, Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. We'll do that first. But then the, the mindset, the mentality that the Pharaohs had was that they, the Pharaohs, were gods. Where did the humility come from? No, humility in this manner can only be achieved through the Lord by becoming conformed to the image of Christ. And if we look at how that happened, if we read the story prior to where we began, we'll find that the Lord brought Moses out of that environment. He brought him to the land of Midian where he became a shepherd for approximately 40 years. And he stripped, the Lord stripped Moses out of that environment. He played uh, the environment and also the influence it had on him. He placed him on a new course. That should sound familiar to some of us, especially those that made the choice to have Christ be our, the Lord and Savior of our lives. We were heading one way, and he put us on a whole new path to follow his lead, his teaching, his guidance, and be conformed to his image. And this happened to Moses in a natural manner, but he brought him to Midian. He was there for 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness, alone. He had a family, he took care of sheep. But he was alone with the Lord. For the Lord to remove the things that weren't of God from him. And in that, he also prepared him for what the Lord had called him to do. And then after that, refining was done in Moses. He then spent 40 years in the wilderness with the people of Israel to let the Lord work out of them the things that didn't resemble God in their lives. So, if we really examine that, Moses went through the process twice. It doesn't have to be that way, though. And by that way, I mean take that length of time. It didn't for them, it doesn't for you or I. We just have to be willing to deal and then actually deal with the things in our house, the things that don't reflect God in our lives. We don't have to, and we aren't supposed to go through that process on our own. Moses didn't. The people of it didn't. Nowhere in the Bible do you see people conform the image of Christ. 
we have and we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one that will reveal those things to us that should not be. But we also need him to teach us, to guide us, and help make us conform to the image of Christ. So as we continue with the, how the Lord described Moses, again, so again, back in Numbers, the Lord has heard the disrespect, and he justifies or defends his servant by stating that he, Moses, is faithful in all of his. That's the Lord's house. It's quite an amazing testimony. I know I would love for the Lord to say that I've been faithful in his house. But the reality of that is that's something we should be. We should all be faithful in everything that the Lord's given us. Please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as his son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. We should all have this mindset that we are servants. Wherever we are, regardless of age, position, title, ministry, any other natural certifications or possible. We are servants, everyone, equally. None of this is about us. Whatever we do or however we are used should point to Christ and Christ alone. Everything the Lord has allowed us to be a part of is entirely about him. For his glory. The testimony of those things that we've spoken of later is how God sent his son, God who rules heaven and earth, sent his son to be a servant. Moses had already adapted that it became a part of him. Those other negative traits were worked out of him. Miriam, however, had not. She had jealousy, she had selfish ambition. Please turn me to James, chapter 3. This is 13 through 18. <coughs> it says, Who among you is wise and understanding? 
Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This behavior is the exact behavior that we are against here. This is the behavior that we see displayed in Miriam. But we are told to display the traits found in Moses, which were also found in Christ Jesus. And that only comes through the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. So if you could please return with me back to Numbers chapter 12. Where we continue with the Lord's defense of Moses. And what the Lord says about his character. If we skip down to verse 8. The Lord gives arguably the greatest reason in defense of Moses' character. When he, the Lord, states, he beholds the form of the Lord. This is exactly what each one of us are supposed to be. We are all supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ. And that only comes from being connected to the Father through submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that is being informed in the image of Christ, connected to the Father and submitted to Christ. Colossians 3, 1 through 10 says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body dead as to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked, when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. Do not lie to one another. Since you laid aside the old self, with its evil practices, and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. 
think the end of verse 9 and verse 10 says it clearly. We were once that way. We once lived in that manner. But if we are to be conformed to the image of Christ, as we should be, is what it says, we are renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created us. And we need to deal with those things in our lives that don't reflect that. We need. And in Numbers, there is one more thing to reflect on. We're talking about willingness and actually dealing with those things in our lives. Miriam's unwillingness to deal with those things that didn't reflect Christ in her life came at a cost. There was impact. Now, if you read, as we read the rest of the scripture obvious answer is that she was struck with leprosy. That the Lord judged her and there was punishment. And you would be half right. But if you really look at that, the impact wasn't just to her. It was to everyone. The entire tribe of Israel. They all had to wait for her to be restored and allowed to enter the camp before they could move on. If we really reflect that onto today, it's the exact same now as it was then. Our unwillingness to deal with the things in our lives, to clean up our house, so that we are conformed to the image of Christ, negatively impacts us and those around us. If we keep boxes of stuff around, there's no room for anything new to come in. It's a contradiction in wanting to see the Holy Spirit move with power and not allowing him to remove the junk from our lives. If we put it in a natural example, it would probably work best for those that are married. When you get married, you invite your wife or your spouse to live with you. You don't invite her in and say, my house is yours. You have free reign. And then say, Nope, don't don't look in that corner, that closet over there. Don't look in this box. That's where I keep my bitterness. That's where I keep my anger. That's where I keep all these other issues. It contradicts itself. How much more so if we're talking about the Lord, the one that we have chosen to make Lord and Savior of our lives, invited him in, become his temple, and then told him, you can't move any. I want you. But I want, and I want to see the power. But you can't clear up any of my stuff. Philippians 3, 17-21 says, Brethren, join in following my example. And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you. And now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory, by the exertion of the power that he has, even to subject all things to himself. Second Corinthians 7.1 also says, 
Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I want to encourage you today. Look around your house, your spirit, your soul, and your body, the temple of God, and see if there are any boxes stuffed, any boxes of stuff that we have stuffed in a dark corner that need to be dealt with. Look around your house. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you look. Reveal those things that are not like Him and help you remove them. I pray that we all take on the same heart and attitude that we see in David in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me in the everlasting way. So as the praise and worship team makes their way up to play one last song of praise and worship to the Lord, I just want to encourage you to let Christ love you. His love is enough for anything you have going on in your life. Any hurt, any pain, anything. His love will do it all. Following this this last song of worship, we will have a prayer team immediately following that closing worship song. And they will be here to pray your need, whether that's salvation, repentance, renewing your life, rededicating it to Christ, or to minister any other need that you have or that the Spirit has revealed. Amen.